This is Train Your Body with Melanie Cole and expert guests from the American College of Sports Medicine on Radio MD. There's food fads every year. You hear about something being good for you, and then it's not so good for you anymore. You hear about milk being good for you, then it's not so good for you anymore. But healthy food trends, they do come and go, but some of them tend to stick around a little bit longer than others. And our guest today is fan favorite here on Train Your Body, Dr. Felicia Stoller. So, Dr. Stoller, let's talk about food trends. You know, there's the acai, or however you want to pronounce it, very... Acai, yeah, acai, there's grass-fed acai. beef, acai, there's grass-fed beef, there's, you know, all these different things that come and go. So tell us what you think are some of the more healthy food trends that we've seen this year and that we might see into next year. Well, I like teff, uh, because teff is uh, another one of these obscure grains that is making its way into pop culture. And what I find about things like teff or quinoa or chia um, or farro or, you know, any number of the, of, um, of other grains that are out there, sorghum's another one that just came to, popped into my head, is that the grains inherently don't have a lot of flavor to them. I mean, subtle, but nothing. So yeah. the nice thing is you can substitute that for rice or for like pasta as a side dish. And they tend to have a lot of fiber. They tend to have protein in it. And I just like that they taste like whatever you cook it in. So they're, again, very flexible. You can use those as sort of like something savory, like you would for like a side dish with, with lunch or dinner. Or you can actually put a little honey in it, a little milk into it or something, and have it more on the, save, on the sweet side with cinnamon and have that as a breakfast food as well. So, you know, add some raisins to it, add some fruit to it, and then turn it into something sweet. Um, another one that's interesting is beet greens, which I have to confess I have been using in my Nutribullet. <laughs> I love beets, so I buy beets from a farmer's market. I steam them up, and then I've taken the greens, and then I've literally sautéed them in the broth that I that came out of the steam. So I could throw all the water-soluble vitamins that may have leached, leached out in the cooking process, and I cooked it right back into the greens, and then I've thrown them into my little blender with some yogurt and other fruits, and that's how I've got a little fruit and veggie and dairy, you know, breakfast. <laughs> are beets a vegetable or are they a fruit? They're, beets are technically a vegetable, I believe. They're, they're yeah. a root vegetable. So even though they're, they they're my favorite, the and I side, grow them. But yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of a tip here. Don't steam them anymore. You just wrap them in tinfoil, dirty, just the way that they are from the farmer's market, stick them in the oven for like 25 minutes, open them up, the peel falls off, and you've got a roasted beet with no mess because the peel, the peel will fall off in the tinfoil as you open it, and then you have a no mess, no roasted, put them in a glass jar and just keep them for a week or however long you want, but without all the steaming and the mess. What about grass-fed you know, it's so expensive, and you see, we've got here, um, what's his name? It's not Peter Jennings, but the guy who is here in Chicago. Oh, Bill Curtis. He's got these grass-fed farms and these all these things, and I'm Bill Curtis. And I don't like the way it tastes. Oh, that's so funny that you say that, because I went on a beef farm tour, and we did a blind taste test of six different types of beef um, with different types of finishing, and nobody liked the grass-fed. <laughs> It tastes like grass. It tastes it, like it, because no, it, it just doesn't taste good. It's not the way we're used to it. I mean, um, the other thing too with grass fed is is that there's a 
and this is another like one of those little misnomers is that the grass fed it's like a certain minimum number of days of of being grass fed so um so there are other animals that um you know are corn and grass fed and is it grass fed and you know corn fed and grass finished or or vice versa um it gets a little crazy i just can't be bothered with that and from a taste perspective let's face it you know, fattier cuts of meat or meat that have had more uh, variety in their diet tend to taste better. And do you think that now is another one, the slow cooker or the Dutch oven is coming back into vogue? Because for a lot of time, long time, you know, back in the 90s and whatever, people would be like, really, friggin' slow cooker? And you give them one, they look at you with rolling eyeballs and it goes underneath the lowest cabinet somewhere but people are pulling them out and all over facebook oh, you see pulling them out there are there are there are mixes in the store that you just add vegetables you add whatever you add your meat you, you know whatever it is you add to it you know add some fluid and put it on low and you come back later i think the nice thing is is it does help people to figure out and, and really try for themselves to see hey you can do like a one pot meal for your family and the cooking isn't that difficult if you have the right ingredients and you just assemble everything you know you can really do something that does i mean let's face it that doesn't require a lot of skill it doesn't require a lot of skill. I always wonder about the temperature, that because it's cooking so slowly or because it's whatever, that there's some kind of, um, you know, bacteria that could grow in there and whatever. Well, but I mean, I think, it's, I think it's slow and low, not to the point where it doesn't heat up enough to kill anything. So, yeah. I mean, something else that I wanted to add to talk about is um, braising, for example, in terms of you know, braising versus roasting versus stewing. You know, braising is a process where you literally like sear the exterior of meat and then you slow cook it. And I started, I tried that this year for the first time with brisket. And I have to tell you, made the best brisket I've ever made. You know, I seared it over a hot pan with a lot of vegetables in it. And then I added the vegetables in, I added some broth and I put it in the oven, you know, That's again, on a very low yeah. temperature. Excuse me? I said, that's how my mother always, that's how we always did it. You always had to yeah. sear it, braise it, and then you put it in the oven. It comes out so great because you're searing in those juices. Right, absolutely. So I think that that's really a terrific way to cook it. And, you know, I like to do chicken soup low and slow overnight. I think it adds for a lot better flavor when I when Me I too. put that on my stovetop on a low, slow heat with a lot of vegetables. I think when you add a lot of vegetables and a lot of herbs to your food, it's going to add a whole other range of flavor to your food. Look at us. We're going to we're going to start the Jewish cooking show you and me. We're right, going to exactly. start the the the, the Jewish, Jewish cooking, cooking show. show. It's not just for holidays only and these are the things now. So what about gluten-free? It's been on those words for a, quite a while now, but it seems like it's even picking up steam and that people are going absolutely gluten-free crazy. So we only have about a minute and a half left. Finish off with gluten-free. So the problem with gluten-free for some people is you do have, if you do go completely gluten-free, you are going to have a, di a diet that's missing some essential vitamins. So that's a bit of a problem. But more importantly, people should really only do gluten-free if they genuinely have a gluten-free allergy. It is not, or an intolerance, or they have celiac. It is not meant to be a weight loss diet by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, most foods that are gluten-free tend to have higher calories than, you know, the, the other equivalent of it. So if it was a bread, if it was a pasta, they tend to have 
have more calories. And the other thing is with people that eat gluten-free, they don't get enough fiber in their diet. So that can be problematic for bowel health and for digestive health. And if you ask anybody that unfortunately has celiac disease, while there are certainly more products available in the marketplace now than there were 10, 15, or 20 years ago, they wish that they could eat the other stuff too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's um, it's kind of all over the place. Now there's whole gluten-free stores and restaurants and all of that sort of thing. So it always amazes me when people who I know have no problem with any of that stuff are like, oh, I'm going gluten-free because I heard that it's this. So it, it does make me a little bit nuts, as I'm sure it makes you. 30 seconds, wrap up the trends and what you think is going to stick around. I think as far as what I think is going to stick around, I think uh, eating more produce is going to keep sticking around. I think people experimenting more with how they can cook food themselves is going to be sticking around. I think gluten-free for right now is here to stay for a short period of time until like the next big trend comes along. And looking for different grains and different ingredients in the supermarket, I think we're going to keep seeing more of those um, those items that used to only be found in specialty stores. I think you're going to find them in mainstream supermarkets. Absolutely. That's great information. It's great advice. And when you're looking at those food trends, some of them will be sticking around and some are worth really trying. Why not pull out your crock pot and try braising something and then slow cooking it and see how that comes out. This is Melanie Cole. We got more great show coming up. So thanks for listening. Stay well and stay tuned. 